Do you think the 80s knew how awesome they were going to be? Or were they like that kid in high school who dressed kind of funny and listened to strange music, but somehow ended up being a creative genius and the CEO of a Fortune 500 company? This episode is about an 80s pop culture phenomenon, but it's really about what happens when we embrace our limitations. What if I told you that your life right now is worth noticing? This is the Attention Collection. I'm Anthony Garcia. Okay, so listen, if you've checked out this podcast at all in the past, it is no secret that I love the 80s. It's not that I love everything about the 80s. There's plenty wrong with the 80s. In fact, socially and politically, the 80s were kind of a cluster bleep. But moving on from that, pop culturally speaking, the 80s are by far my favorite decade. The music, the hair, the movies, everything in between. I'm a fan, all right? And so if you will, allow me to take you back in time. The year is 1982. And Mattel is on the scene with their popular toy, Barbie. And they're raking in the dough. The only problem they have is they're not really appealing to the male market. They have a couple of toys out for boys, but they're just not selling the way they'd like to. So what do they do? Well, they make a few attempts to purchase the licensing of existing movies and characters but it just falls through. Nothing pans out. And they have this itch that they have to scratch. They want so desperately to compete with Star Wars, they can taste it. Because the movie Star Wars comes out on the scene and unexpectedly completely dominates the box office. And after that, the toy line that was rejected elsewhere is finally picked up, and that as well blows all of the predicted numbers and figures. And so they want a little bit of piece of that pie. So what do they do? They don't run out and buy a bunch of comic books or study science fiction films. Essentially, they go to the marketing team and say, hey, we need you to figure boys out and report back to us. And what are their findings? What is it that boys want to play with? Apparently, it's a man with a bowl cut on steroids. And thus, He-Man is born. And now, a pop culture phenomenon, one of the best-selling toy series in history, the Masters of the Universe line, has really made its way throughout the world. It's still talked about to this day, a legitimate pop cultural moment. And it didn't start in the pages of a book, and it didn't happen on the screen. It started in a marketing room. And I want to key in on one element of this story that I find incredibly fascinating. 
In the process of creating this line of toys, first He-Man and then obviously he needs characters to fight against and he needs sidekicks and allies and he needs a place to reside and so all of these toys are being crafted and shaped. All of these images are being rendered but they realize they need vehicles for He-Man to ride on. So they have a couple but they want one more. The only problem is that they've run out of money. The Masters of the Universe toy line hasn't even launched yet. They haven't proven their concept, and so they don't have room in the budget to spend on another brand new mold. That's expensive. But one of the members of the team thinks back and remembers that they have another toy line called Big Jim. And in this line, there's a tiger that goes along with the main character. And so he says, what if we reuse that? Which... Sounds great. The only problem with that is that Big Jim was 9 to 10 inches tall as a character, and He-Man is significantly smaller. So when you put He-Man next to this tiger, it just looks ridiculous. But they were running out of time, and they were desperate. So he says, you know what, just make it work. And so the sculptor takes this existing tiger, and instead of painting it yellow and black like the traditional tiger paints it green and orange and shows it. And guess what? It looked cool, but it still looked kind of ridiculous. And so the sculptor brings it back and says, look, this is nice and everything, but this isn't going to work. It's not to scale. To which that team member who brought the idea in the first place says, listen, I don't care if it looks like a horse. Put a saddle on it. And then... The Battle Cat was born. Mark Taylor, the primary artist behind the look and feel of the Masters of the Universe line, said this of Battle Cat. If you were in a bar somewhere and a guy came in riding on a 12-foot tiger with armor, nobody would mess with that guy. To which I would agree, but I would also say, why are you riding an animal into a bar regardless of its species? But that's beside the point. So I could go on, I could spend the rest of this episode about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I mean, we haven't even talked about Skeletor yet, but I'll leave that for another day. What I want to talk about is what in the world any of this has to do with you and me. So here's three takeaways that I think are important. Number one, knowing the backstory, even a piece of this, shows us just how susceptible we are to marketing. I mean, with the right spin, human beings will buy anything. Need proof? Bottled water. Now I get it. There are some instances in which bottled water is very helpful and important. But for the most part, most of us going to the store and filling our carts with something that we can get from our kitchen sink is kind of ridiculous. And that's where marketing comes in. This water in this bottle was melted by angels from a glacier this morning. Here's five bucks. So, first and foremost, we are incredibly susceptible to the power of marketing. I mean, think about this toy line. Star Wars toys were at least based on an existing storyline. 
And children had already fallen in love with Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia and Chewbacca. Masters of the Universe came out of a marketing meeting. That's it. The backstory. The comic books and the cartoon that came after that, that perhaps you are familiar with. The only reason the comics and the cartoon exist is so that the marketers could land their first few customers. They couldn't sell to the first toy company they reached out to because they didn't know why kids would buy a toy from a character they've never heard of. And so somebody in the middle of the meeting said, well, we have a a comic book that's going to come with the toy, of course. Sold. And then they go to the next company and that company passes because you know what? These other places are doing shows and cartoons and films. And so, well, don't you know, we have a special coming out on television and kids will eat it up. And then they landed their next sell. The only reason the series exists is so that they could land a customer. And I'm not taking anything away from the animators or the storytellers that went on to make this series what it was and is. But think about it for a moment. This pop culture phenomenon wasn't the brainchild of a passionate artist with a story to tell. It was born in a boardroom. In other words... One of the formative childhood icons of the 1980s was an animated commercial kids watched in between commercials. But let's look at the flip side of this marketing dilemma. Every valuable idea, everything good we hope to bring into the world is also about marketing. If we want to solve hunger or the climate crisis or anything in between, on some level, the problem to get that into existence is a matter of marketing. Why should I care? Why should I start doing something? Why should I stop doing something? Why should I buy that and why should I avoid buying it? On some level, it's all marketing. So, lesson number one, if we can become better marketers, we can get important ideas out into the world and put legs on them. The second thing is that perspective creates possibility. And it was the limitations of budget, the constraints of not having the existing content to pull from that made this toy line and the cultural explosion that followed what it was. Now, Masters of the Universe evolved from this initial sales tactic, and it became characters that kids actually cared about. And if you watch the old cartoon, it actually offers these valuable lessons and these digestible insights for kids to take from. I'm not saying that it was all sales. It ended up having meaning. And perhaps you're listening to this and some of your formation you owe to learning about kindness from He-Man. I don't want to take anything away from that. But this is a lesson in perspective. You could look at the limitations and say, look, we don't have characters like Luke Skywalker. So how could we create this world? Or you could say, here's what we have to work with. Here's what I have in front of me. Let's make something with it. Which brings me to my third thought about this. Limitation fuels creativity. Think about all the creative meals you've had to come up with because the cupboards were bare because you hadn't gone to the grocery store, because money was just a little bit tight 
this month. Think about the artist who approaches a canvas. Generally speaking, they don't walk up to the side of a building. They walk up to a square. And they know that they can do whatever they want, but they have to do it within the parameters of this canvas. Or the artist who wants to release a song on the radio, they could put out a 10-minute song, but if they want many people to hear it, chances are it's going to have to exist within a three-minute span. How much of your work has come as a result of a time constraint? There's no way this project's going to be done in time, but it got done simply because it had to. Because there was a ticking clock that sounded more like a ticking time bomb in your ears. We can resign ourselves to our fate and we can say this is my circumstance and therefore I can't be creative. Therefore I can't be happy. Therefore this relationship can't thrive. Or we can look at that limitation and paint it a different color and throw a saddle on it and it could be in turn, one of our biggest successes. It's a matter of perspective because the truth of the matter is all of our lives are worth noticing. It's all in the art of paying attention. And I'm resisting the urge right now to speak into this microphone and say, I have the power. So I'm not going to do it. Until next time. I mean, if you stop and think about it, where else can you get 80s pop culture references right alongside personal encouragement? If you like this podcast, share it with somebody. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Let your Stitcher and Spotify friends know that they can find it there. And join us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Thanks for listening.